All right, welcome back everybody to another episode. Today, we're going to be talking about Tony's second property. We're going to be talking about how he moved from his first deal, where he moved in and basically got his first house hack, and then how he thought about what he was going to do for his second deal, how successful that first deal was in retrospect, how it framed his thinking about buying a second deal, and uh, essentially give you steps on how you should be thinking about um, not just your first deal, but your second deal and how real estate can really move things forward for you. So with that, Tony, we're going to bring you in. How are things going? Ah, they're going well. And um, I will say that I actually think uh, deal-wise, focus more on second and third because my second one's really boring. We oh, okay. just, it didn't end up uh, being really any any difficulty whatsoever. So that's that's pretty boring conversation. It just becomes well, like... encouraging. <laughs> Like we bought it, we didn't really need to do anything. Mm. (laughs) Then we moved on to the third one. Okay, well, let's talk about that, actually. So it sounds like the second deal you bought. So just to reframe, your first deal you bought, you moved in, it was a duplex? Uh, Yep. And And that one required a lot, like a pretty excessive amount of work. There was a lot of stuff to do. Uh, Definitely tired me out. Okay. Game weight was was a beast. (laughs) Yeah, how long did that take you? um that's about a year about a year so we uh yeah it was about a year we had a a year well we thought we had a year owner occupancy requirement however we found out later that we didn't at all we could have moved at any time (laughs) but uh, (laughs) but we thought it was a year um is that because you had a unique finance product or yeah so we had a portfolio loan with a um portfolio loan just means that the bank keeps it themselves they don't sell it to Fannie or freddie or any third party so it doesn't yeah yeah. so it doesn't really have to conform to any Mm -hmm. standards so ours was just a non-conforming loan or a primary loan is what people would call it so we thought we thought there was no occupancy requirement like all the other all the other products because it was 10 percent down but uh, it turned out I, there might have been something, but it was only like 30 days or something stupid. Nice. All right. So you worked a lot. You learned a fast food, kind of burned the candle on both ends for a little while because you were working too, right? Oh, yeah. Working. And your wife uh, is working. Regular job. Yep. We're both working. Yep. yep. And then, so uh, I guess tell me about the moment where you said, hey, I think we should do this again. Yeah. So off the bat, before we started, our plan was to get 40 units. So we wanted 40 of them because I calculated that out. That was like, was there a time window for that goal? ASAP. I I was really (laughs) unfulfilled working a a job for somebody else. So I I wanted it to be as fast as possible, but I thought we could do that in about 10 years. That That was my kind of thought. And to do that, I had a whole schedule that was like buy one a year for I think like four years and then buy two a year after that or something. Mm -hmm. Um, We had dreams. Yeah. Aspirations. Goals are wonderful. Um, And yeah, so I had already thought about expanding, although I had no clue if it would work out. So we used the first deal as like, if this totally sucks, then we can just bail. At least we have somewhere cheap to live. Right, right. Whatever. Yeah, You don't have to do a second deal. Right. You, yeah. If, it, if it's not for you, which it's not for some people, I think some people just have, you know, their personality doesn't work out well with it. You can Agreed. totally just bail after you've tried it out. 
And if you're mm-hmm. house hacking, then you still have to do a little bit of it, but mm-hmm. you basically get a free place to live in exchange for that, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Mostly free, close to free. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we it worked out well enough. I mean, we found tenants. We had some problems with the property, but nothing nothing that really killed it for me. Uh, mm-hmm. It was you could see the writing on the wall as far as it being rewarding for us. Like we were seeing how much money we were saving and everything yeah. like that. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, let's let's grow this. The easiest next step was to do another owner occupant type property because you don't have to save up as much money i think the hardest thing for most people with real estate most ordinary investors is that they save up a lot of money for the first the first property that they buy so they spend years saving up money for that and then they buy the property even if things go well then it's like okay well now i need to do my second one how am i going to make this work and yeah, exactly. Because right. you need, you know. So how did you, you guys do that? Payment. So we did another. Originally, it was supposed to be an owner-occupant type loan. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went through the whole process. Like we were moving in, we got the people in the. We we found okay. So first step, I got my real estate license sometime between the first one and the second one. So at that okay. point, I could start. I could start looking for deals for myself. Like I could start letting myself into properties and everything. Right. We found we found a property um, in a nearby neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So our first property was in the South Hills of Pittsburgh. The next property was in a different neighborhood, but it was only five minutes driving from the first one. My goal was okay. always very much like you talked about in your last episode. My goal was always to keep the properties very close to each other so that it was easier to manage, so that they were easier to manage and maintain. Um, yeah. And... I found a property looks like a pretty good deal. It was $135,000 in a pro in an area called Brookline, which is like a nice ish neighborhood. Like it's a B class type neighborhood. Yeah. Um, the rail runs through there. It's a suburb. Of it doesn't actually, the, the T doesn't go through there, but it, it's pretty oh, really? close, pretty close yeah. to the T that the bus is super easy to take. Um, there's a little main street. Brookline's a pretty, pretty nice city of Pittsburgh. Uh, neighborhood yeah. it's, it's technically city limits mm-hmm. um but we found it you know there there was a new roof it uh had one new boiler it was in decent repair it didn't really require that much work and what we liked about it was the bottom was a one uh one bedroom but it, i kind of call it a one and a half bedroom because there's a captive bedroom a captive mm. a captive bedroom is a bedroom that you have to walk through another bedroom to get into but this yeah. this this captive bedroom actually opens up into the bathroom. So if you go, you can go into the bathroom one way, but then there's a second door in the bathroom you can go in. So you still can go in it on your own. So it's like a Jack um, and Jill bathroom that splits in either bedroom, something like that. A Jack and Jill bathroom with the dining room, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so right. and there's a door that goes into the the real bedroom too. But, right, of course. Um, in any event, uh it's kind of like a larger one bedroom that can kind of get rents like a two bedroom because effectively mm-hmm. if somebody wanted to have two people living there, it wouldn't be very hard to make that happen. Yeah. Especially um, now with co- like we're, we're in uh, what is it? September, 2021. I mean, with COVID, all that stuff, that would definitely work. 
Right? Yeah, and it, and it because we've rented it a few times to different people now. The other thing we realize it works really well for is like a young couple with a baby or like yeah, a younger kid because the yeah. bedroom's literally adjoining to their room. So it's super convenient. But there was that apartment. And then the upstairs was a three bedroom with mm. two bathrooms. Oh, that's so nice. that was I, I still to this day have never really lived in a two two bathroom house. Um, one day I'll, I'll I'll understand the finer things. So in, you live downstairs. Life. You didn't move upstairs or what, why do you say that? So getting uh, I'll get there. So we uh, so there's two you know, there was a little bit of work to do, nothing much like paint cabinets and fix up the bathroom a little bit, but there was like very few repairs needed. Do you have a rough budget for what you think that was going to be? $5,000. Okay. That's good. Of, of materials, not nothing else. Um, and I think we eventually did some stuff like carpet upstairs and paint too. So we might've spent closer to $10,000 total, but it wasn't wasn't that. But much you thought money. five when you were buying. <laughs> I don't yeah, even remember buyers, what I thought to be honest. Eyes. I just remember it was everything that was like we could do. We could do anything in this property ourselves mm-hmm. very easily after the, after the experience of the first one. There was mm-hmm. nothing that required like an outside contractor. So nice, all pretty okay. easy. Um, and we went through this whole process with an owner occupant loan thinking that we were going to move in when we bought the place we uh we got rid of the got rid of the upstairs tenant technically they weren't even legally allowed to be there anymore um the city the city had given the prior the prior owner like some sort of cease and desist thing because he was renting it out as like every room with its own lock so he was renting it out as a boarding house with um i think he had like five tenants there and then there's a lady next door to the house that i got i got her under control but she she just is cranky and she's like a looky-loo for the neighborhood and she reports everything so that's a that's a conversation i'll talk about towards the end just because it's kind of entertaining um but but yeah so we we did all that we got them out we're ready to move into the upstairs we were going to kind of upgrade our standard of living i mean this place had like you know two bathrooms you're like this is awesome and this and then we were um you're on vacation and my wife was like i don't i don't really want to move like do you think that there's a way around us doing this and i was like Hmm. well i i think the loan has an owner occupant thing like we have to move in i mean i'm not one to break those sorts of rules i know plenty of people that have violated them and nothing happened, but it's still mortgage fraud. So like you can't. Yes. Can be a felony. Really shouldn't do that. Um, so I was like, I don't know. And then um, my wife's, uh, we had like a connection with the bank and we were talking to someone else and then they were like, Oh, well, why don't you, that's just a portfolio loan for them anyway. Why don't you just talk to the bank and see, see what they'll do. Wow. And then, so we emailed the bank and we were like, Hey, so we were doing this as an owner occupant thing under your, whatever, I don't even remember what the name of the program was. I was like, under this program, what, what happens if we don't move in? Like, can we change it? And then they said, um, 
they were like, oh, okay, well, do you think you'll move in at all? Like your owner occupant, this is how we found out our owner occupant was only 30 days. Anyway, we're like, whoa, 30 days. Okay. Yeah. You just have to live there for 30 days. So, um, so we could have moved way sooner, uh, but whatever. And then we, we ended up talking to the bank and they were like, oh, well, we have a a 10% down investor program if if your credit is good enough can we just they're like if you want to check the underwriting requirements we can just see if we can shift your your loan and i was like okay so they did that and they said oh well you actually qualify for the other one so it's the same terms 10 percent down just you don't have to move in we're just gonna so they just zoom out because i think this is actually really interesting so how did you how did you find this bank because this bank actually seems very valuable. So the bank is a community bank. So mm-hmm. different different family members have done business with them for for their businesses. So there's like a relationship there with the bank already a little bit. Okay. But there, this is kind of the value of having a talking to a community bank um, and building building a relationship there. It, it can take some time to build that relationship. But um, it's good to do because when they keep the loans in-house, when they're portfolio loans, there are a lot less requirements on the bank as to what what they do. They have to kind of they have to follow their own laws and regulations that they have. But mostly why underwriting is difficult at banks or why terms can be difficult. It's because all those banks are selling them to mm-hmm. Fannie or Freddie, which we talked about, when you're right. dealing with sort of a more primary lender, somebody who's keeping the loan in house, it's a little bit easier to, to work with them. You're actually yeah. like, you're dealing with a person, not just a computer, so to speak. So if I'm a listener, I just hop into Google and I search for my city community bank. These, these are the kind of relationships that you usually are better off building, like by going to the bank and having a meeting with someone and knowing someone there rather than okay. just like emailing someone random. So it's usually good to show up and have a conversation. It's like a very, it's very much a, it's a wonderful life type relationship with your lender. Yeah. Like, yes, like the I movie, understand. you know what I mean? Yes, yes. Um, For those who don't know, it's black and white. They sing songs. It's <laughs> sort of this 1950s Pleasantville sort of a vibe, right? Oh, pleasure to see you, Dave. Except the, uh, to see you too, the right? owner of the bank is is like, trying to call everybody's loans due and or whatever it is well yeah um but but yeah so that's you know that's the recommendation be long term to build a relationship with like a portfolio lender now i know that a lot of people kind of from a lot of the people that i've worked with that are newer they would have scoffed at working with this bank because by nature of having a primary loan our interest rate was like one and a half percent higher than it would have been had we gone with a mm. quick and loans or whatever quick yeah or whoever i don't even think quick and loans was that big this wasn't even that long ago but i don't think they were really that big at the time um everything's definitely tightened up from whenever we bought this second property but yeah we we were able to just shift it so while we had moved out the tenant we even had started moving a couple of our things in and getting stuff fixed up but then when they told us we didn't have to we were like well we What's may not- as well just try to rent it 
So then we yeah. just rented it. Um, I still can, I still call it a house hack because we definitely did all the same stuff we would have did other than living there. And we just yeah. continued to live in the same one that we had originally. So we stayed in a duplex. Yeah. Um, but, but basically what we did is we used 10% down products to be able to move into the next property rather than having to save like 20% or 25% or whatever. Mm. Um, but yeah, that, that second deal was very interesting and in how it kind of fortunately worked out. The other lesson is that it never hurts to ask because we yeah, would have never sure. even, we would have just gone through with the plan. And we would have stayed there mm. for a year, not 30 days. It might have been 90 days. I don't remember. But it was way yeah. shorter than we thought it was. Because we had thought that we had to live in these places for a year. Because that's what everybody tells you. Because that's like the FHA requirement. Yeah, the government loans. That is how it works. I actually think even most conventionals, though, are just six months. I, I don't even think they're they're 90 days. but Or that they're a year. But I don't know. Whatever. Um, you got to look at your loan terms more closely. Yeah. Every, everybody when they sign, lawyer, their note, blah, blah, blah. yeah. Everybody when they sign their note, including me, just like signs it basically because you're like the loan more or less says, if you don't pay, we're gonna take it from you. If you pay, <laughs> we're pretty much gonna leave you alone. So just pay, and here's the money. There are a bunch <laughs> of other random terms in there though that you should be reasonably aware of. But whatever. Uh, that sounds like we'll do a flash episode on the goofy, funny term. The one that I do want to point out is if you do an FHA, you're not allowed to do short term rentals. So you can't do like an Airbnb with an FHA loan. It's not allowed. It says in the lease that it cannot be short term rentals. People miss that all the time. So, mm. um, but yeah, so that was our second deal. It was like kind of stupid easy. It, it definitely made a lot less money than the first one. That's it what I was, was going to ask you. She so bought it yeah. 130, 10% down. What were your rents like? You know, how, how are you? Was this Actually, like, a, we, we, what was your cash flow on this? How are you thinking about that? Um, I think when we calculated the cash flow, it was going to be like $300 a month. But okay. then whenever so we... But then whenever we actually rented it and got into the property, it ended up being closer to like $150 total a month because... I think I missed, I underestimated the amount of water and sewer that the tenants would use yeah. at the property. And yeah. we had, um, for some reason, too. it's always been a high, a high water usage property. I don't kind of random. We've searched for leaks all over the place and never found them. And nobody um, ever reported any leaks. So I don't know. So now present day, Tony. You bought that place. It only throws off 150 a month in cash when you get it. How do you feel about it now? It was a very good lesson in you might make less cash flow, but how easy it has been yeah. has just been like great. Like we haven't <laughs> had to do anything really. I mean, we've we've had repairs, I guess. Right. I, I mean, we've definitely had repairs, but we never had a big project. It's never been exceptionally hard to rent. It's just been super easy to the point that I don't even know what the cash flow is right now. I'd have to like go yeah. dig into it because it's so it's so hands off that it's like. It was it's been awesome. 
I mean, yeah. our first our first property made way more money, but for the first few years, it was definitely far more of a headache. Stuff was always yeah. breaking. Yeah, it was always larger stuff. We had to fix. We you know it was stressful, more stressful financially. This one was like pay up front, and then just start collecting rent, and yeah. that was pretty nice. Um, we probably make around two fifty or three hundred dollars a month now because the rents have gone up mm-hmm. on both units. Um, city of Pittsburgh doesn't have as much, uh, tax too, which is nice. So like the property tax yearly is, is less, which is just solid. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's pretty, it's been pretty easy. Um, okay. So we did that property and I mean, I know about Brookline now, right? So it was a good choice because appreciation. Yeah. Now it's probably worth like two thirty. Yeah. Oh that. that so like, I mean, it's gone three, up we're, three and two. That sounds. Yeah. We're actually uh, we're refinancing it right now, so I'll I'll see what the appraisal says. But we're going to be able to pull out like I think around forty thousand dollars in just equity from it, and it'll still cash flow. So it's like yeah. it's kind of a no brainer. Yeah. So you have almost a hundred thousand dollars in equity. How many years later now? Um. Maybe five, four or yeah, five. Four or five. And so, I mean, the market's right. definitely helped with that, but I don't. Yeah. But yeah, so that, so that one was cool. And then I guess I don't need to talk about the third one then. But um, the, the lady next door, this was like, I guess, some lesson in dealing with the neighbors. She reported us for everything. Like she, there was a little piece of flashing coming down. And instead of calling me, she filed a report to the city to fix it. She had my number too. She would like call anytime the, so we had the lawn guy go and she sent like had her lawyer send a letter that he was going up her property to like mow our lawn. Meanwhile, the guy was like mowing half of her lawn for, for free just because he was doing that. So he was like helping her out. And um, then the final straw was she sent in something to the health department because our tenants didn't put the lids on their trash cans. And she said that we, we weren't supplying lids with trash cans, uh, trash cans with lids. And this was after maybe like five or six letters that I got from the city just of dumb stuff that she sent in that was like not even the guy came out and inspected it and said it was fine. So then eventually I called her up and I just said like, Hey, you keep reporting us. And I was like, and I, I I gave you my number when we bought the property so that you could call me so that we didn't have to do this. Like, as you see, we fix everything. And I said, but if you really want to play this game, like your chimney is starting to crack and like, I'm worried it's going to fall onto my property. So I might have to call the city about that. And your front lawn has weeds growing out by where your sidewalk is. I might have to call the city about that. And then I just went through like a list of things that I had noticed on her property. And I was like, so we can either not do this back and forth, like feud, or you can keep reporting me for petty things. And then eventually she was like grumpy on the phone, but then it all stopped. So yeah. it, was, it was just like, that sucks. But, <sighs> but anyway. yeah, that it, it was useful to kind of 
number one to have her number <clears throat> and number two to like have some knowledge of what what like what can and cannot be reported because i was like you can report me for all these stupid things but if i report you for all this stuff that's a lot more expensive than what you're reporting me for so let's just call it a day which is kind of funny mentality of the occupancy inspectors then right or the zone or the code enforcement people that the guy would show up on my property to verify that it wasn't there but he was too but he was too lazy to file a report about the property right next door that he saw with with other issues that could have been reported because no one yeah, those kind of code people are all right with me. So mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you. Agree. <laughs> for your uh, service. Benign, benign negligence. Yes. Um, all right. So, all right. So, you, you know, to recap, bought your first place, loads of work. Second place, kind of hit the easy button on it. <laughs> Didn't even move in, collected rent, uh, did it a separate way. How, how did that influence your thinking about your third place? Um, so our third place was the last place that I was doing before I was going to quit my job, my day job. So we, we did an FHA on that one and we wanted somewhere that was going to cash flow, which was hard to find by that time. Cause that was, I don't know how long ago now at least at least three years ago so the market was really starting to, yeah. to 17 pick up. 18 19 yeah like um and still an agent but we we were like okay well we want a bigger place we we want to stay in the neighborhood that we that we currently live in um we'll do an fha and and i was kind of desperate for a deal because mm. I was trying to do it before I quit my job, like use my You're job for the job. Yeah. 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 I was using it for the W2 income for the last, last gasp, so to speak. That's where I am right now. I understand. <laughs> I empathize deeply. Indeed. And, uh, and I just, you know, I, I found, found a place that seemed okay. It was actually one where a customer, a customer of mine wanted to terminate. And I, and I was just like, Hey, you know, do you care? Like, I still like the property. Do you care if I just do this? Would you mind? And he's like, no. So hmm. we just, it was sold as a package with another property. And I just told the agent, I was like, Hey, we're terminating. I kind of want the deal, you know, split it. And can you split them? Cause I can't buy both, but I can buy one with an FHA loan. And he's like, I'm sure that'd be okay. So then they, they cut it up. I bought one, it did it like no inspections, no contingencies, nothing. Uh, yeah. Cowboyed it. And this place was a, a mess. Like that's what I was going to ask. This is a dumper, like number one, or this is like turnkey number two, a, a dump. Definitely. Yeah. Like it not necessarily mechanically was all that bad. Um, other than some, we had to do some electrical work. I, the attic had a bunch of knob and tube wiring with like insulation around it. So I had to have that kind of ripped out. I didn't know that going into it. I, I found that on my own wonderfully. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some, some of the plumbing was like lead drain lines. So it wasn't the supply lines that were lead. So it wasn't like what you were drinking, but 
it was the drains that they were going through in the house. So a lot of those had collapsed and like they weren't draining. Right. So we had to do some well, fairly substantial plumbing, which. um, So I guess it was mechanically not as great as I thought, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. cosmetic cosmetically, it was definitely <laughs> definitely a dump um, when we got in we thought the carpets were brown there had been a guy living here for i think he had been a tenant for like 12 years (laughs) and he had a dog and um because we were getting an fha loan the uh previous owner had to give him notice to leave um or so that we could prove that we're moving in and this one we knew we there was no way out of moving in because it was like a government FHA loan. They, they weren't going to switch us to a different product with that. Um, but yeah, we thought the, the carpet was brown and it turns out that it was, was light blue. And the reason that we found out that it was light blue was because when we were ripping it out, cutting it, we moved a television and where the television was sitting underneath it was like aquamarine, but everything looked totally brown. Uh, like tan so that guy had that much dirt and pet fur that built up over 15 years and i remember when we rolled it up and we went to throw it over the the back porch into the backyard and all the dust came back in our face and it's disgusting um all the walls were like cracked there was this shitty acoustic tile but like really thick for insulation ripped that out. There were a bunch of ceiling places where the (laughs) ceiling had cracked or needed to be patched or everything. The tub was totally rotten through in the, um, in the drain on the drain. So we had to knock out like a cast iron tub and totally redo the bathroom. And so I like, I sledgehammered out the tub and, when you do that with those old ones, you have to be pretty careful with like goggles and stuff because the pretty ceramics, sure. ceramic stuff goes flying. Um, yeah, so we had we had a lot, a lot so more loads of work. Yeah, and were you thinking, hey, I'm not going to be working anyway. This is going to be my job. No, I I had kind of negotiated. Wasn't a hard negotiation, but we'll say negotiated a work from home arrangement at my at my job so it was like i i told them that i w- had an expiration date i was like i, I have an ex and we'll talk about that in the next the next episode i guess which is kind of like growth like sort of um after this one okay uh, but i told them that it's like i don't i don't have a date to quit because i'm not going to another job i don't have like another thing i have to start but i am eventually leaving so as long as you let me work from home, you know, quit. three, three or four days a week, I was like, then I'll, I'll stay on for as long as you need me, like go hire somebody, go train somebody else. I'll train them. I, I was the only one at my company that had like my job title. So, so you had a lot of leverage. Yeah. Okay. So, and they were like, okay, that makes sense. So I kind of did my job. And a lot of my job was task oriented work. So I could kind of do it at whatever. Yeah. We've talked about this before. Yeah. Whatever time. Do your work, clump it up, get it done. And then you could 
Okay. So uh, uh, what I'm trying to uh, convey to the listener is how was your, you know, you did a hard deal that like exhausted you. You did a much easier deal. Where you're like, wow, well, how about this? And then you decided to go back into a hard deal, <laughs> decided yeah. to pick up the sledgehammer, literally. So what, um, do you feel like that was the right choice? Do you feel like, you know, what, um, you know, what, yeah. So was we, it circumstantial, like, Hey, we need cash flow Cause I want to quit my job. And that's why I did it. Um, no, What's, I was still kind of tied up with like, I have to make a certain amount of cash flow cash flow. Yeah. yeah. I, even though probably would have been fine. Plus I was, you know, I was quitting my job to self to go and be self-employed as a realtor. I didn't, I didn't have as much passive income set mm -hmm. up yet. It was like my out was being a realtor. So it was like, I didn't know. I mean, I had been a realtor part-time already. I had been doing it. I've been making money, but you still never know what happens whenever you go fully self-employed. There's a lot of fear there. There's a lot of hurdles to get over mentally and it was like if i just get another good deal i at least know that we can live off of my wife's income and we won't sink like right. we'll still right. be okay so that that was part of the reason i guess the other thing was just it's really hard to find places that are three bedrooms mm -hmm. especially three bedrooms like up and down and this one was in a solid location it was close to us. I was like, okay, whatever. And I definitely, yeah, I definitely under exaggerated the work. I thought mm -hmm. that, that stuff happens. was way, way more done. And then we found these plumbing things, these electrical things and stuff. It kind of taught me to realize that just if you, if you're in a given neighborhood, like just know that some things exist. Like I know that every neighborhood, every house in the neighborhood that I invest in is close to a hundred years old you know, almost everyone somewhere right. between 1600. So there's probably knob and tube in every one of them. So instead yeah. of seeing the electrical being updated in the basement and thinking that it's updated everywhere, I just need to know that it's not like, it's definitely, yeah. it's definitely not. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a good tip for the listener, right? That's, that is where a realtor is super valuable. They know the builders sometimes for these units, they, they know how these things work and they'll tell you, yeah, you have galvanized plumbing and this place has been vacant for six months and you're going to have rotted drain lines, you know, or not been tube electric. And, you know, yeah. So, yeah. so super good. Insight. So that, I mean, the decision was partially those things um, moving forward. We might, we might still house hack our next deal. I, I really am still not ready to take on like a project though, where I do the work. I just, you're talking about present day, right? Tony? Oh yeah. Right yeah. Yeah. Right I'm now. still burned out from doing this house. Like, as far as working on a place that I'm going to live is because yeah. I don't mind doing work on other places, but when you live in it, it's just extra, just extra exhausting yeah. because you're living amongst your filth. Yeah. And it's like, I'd rather just, I don't know, just buy yeah. something and, and everything takes way longer than you think too. You'll be like, Oh, I'll finish this in, in a month or two months. And it's like, nah, two years later, you're still working on every every little thing. But yeah, yeah, I mean, so at the time I wouldn't I wouldn't change it. If I were to do another house hack now, I would just definitely just go towards a turnkey easy yeah. move in thing because 
also, like you said in your episode, you realize that the appreciation really helps you. So as long as the building doesn't lose money, as long as you make some money, then mm. it's really still a decent deal. And I've, I've learned that over time too. So I'm like, with these properties that I can get in for virtually free, that was the other reason too. Like we did an FHA loan that was three and a half percent down. I got a 3% commission on the property and we used 6% seller assist. So this house was free basically. Like yeah, I think from we, a cash perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Out of pocket. I think we maybe paid like $600 to purchase the property or something stupid. Yeah. Less than a thousand dollars because we that's got our, yeah, that's also part of what's beneficial being an agent. Like you get your commission back too. Yeah. But okay. Well, that's great. So that's, um, that's that. Okay. Well, that's good. I think so. That was a good rundown. We talked about two different houses, right? We talked about sort of a turnkey versus a, a sledgehammer roll up the sleeves kind that's of a good name for it. A sledgehammer property. A sledgehammer property. And, um, and yeah, so, so the next episode, we're going to kind of talk about, so you've done, you've done three personal house hacks. Now you're about to quit your job. You're quitting your job. And we're going to talk about sort of growing, uh, like through real estate, but also maybe out of your job, kind of taking the really exciting next steps, right. Of yeah. freedom. Uh, yeah. To, the to quote William Wallace close, <laughs> closer, closer to like just being fi one way or another we'll, we'll yeah. call it like barista fi yeah 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 yeah. yeah. so you can work at starbucks get healthcare from them and yeah. uh, go but work in at my, Lowe's. in my example it's you work 80 hours <laughs> 80 hours a week <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to not have to work for the man that's entrepreneurship right you quit yeah. you work 80 so you don't have to work 40 yeah so. um all right well that was good anything you want to leave with the people before we zip out uh no just call us with your questions 412-212-8366 awesome yeah Yeah. i get that right subscribe you did you get you're doing perfect and where can they find you on the internet uh at 412 agent or search anthony Angotti or tony Angotti on google and you'll you'll locate me um i i don't uh i don't hide my communications through what's that thing tour that people use i don't know i don't know whatever <laughs> i so watched obscure. yeah no, i watched it. some show on the the dark net and i was like uh-huh. well i'm like the opposite of the dark net everyone can find me everywhere um contact tony through the light net for one two agent and exactly. uh we'll be posting every week you can like subscribe and eventually we'll get the youtube going <laughs> nice may the force be with you amen all right see you guys